Welcome to the Peaceful Life Podcast. This is your host, Laura, coming to you from a cottage in the woods in the peaceful mountains of California. Today's episode is a juicy one. I speak with Karen Anderson, a self-proclaimed animal communicator, pet psychic, and medium. But whether you believe or not, she provides fascinating information about animal behavior and her journey from being in mortgage financing and then law enforcement, yes, Karen was a cop, to animal communicator. This woman is very grounded in reality. She's a critical thinker and just happened to find an unusual talent for speaking with animals. Karen has two best-selling books out, Hear All Creatures and The Amazing Afterlife of Animals. Welcome, Karen, to the Peaceful Life Podcast. Well, hello, and thank you so much. This is really an honor to be here today, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Now, I read The Amazing Afterlife of Animals in about a day. It was so fascinating. And you realized you had this gift of communicating with animals way back when you were a child. Tell us the story about how you first discovered it. Well, you know, when I was about five or six years old, I remember just being able to understand what was going on with my own childhood pets. And it wasn't, of course, on the level of what I do now, mm-hmm. but there was, it, there was an understanding. I would know what they were thinking. I would know what they needed. They just understood me and I understood them. But at the time, I didn't think that there was anything unique about that because I thought everyone could understand them. <laughs> And so it wasn't until I started telling my parents things about um, our dog and our cat and the hamsters and things that I couldn't have possibly known as a five or six year old child. Mm -hmm. That's when I started to realize that not everybody could understand them the way that I did. So the earliest memory I have is the very best friends I've had in my entire life go way back to those early childhood pets. And that's really how I learned. I learned from them and I learned from remembering how I understood them way back when. That's great. Now, before you became a professional animal communicator, you were in law enforcement. And this is the part I find really fascinating, these stories. You served as a deputy sheriff in Colorado, and while investigating crime scenes, animals gave you some pretty incredible help, didn't they? They really did. And I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't even trying. It all just kind of happened. And it kind of blew me away, too. I mean, I was surprised when it first happened. And I was even more surprised, Laura, by how accurate and incredibly honest the animals would be, even if it was their own human that they were telling me about. They would just be so forthcoming with their information and so detailed, they were actually far more um, trustworthy than the human eyewitnesses <laughs> that I interviewed at the time. Right. So it really was shocking. And, and to me, you know, I thought, wow, this could really be a wealth of information if animals could tell me things. 
especially in certain cases like a domestic violence where sometimes you don't know who the aggressor is mm-hmm. um, and the animals could literally tell me their version of what happened and um, and of course you can't just put that in your police report oh right. well, <laughs> fluffy the cat told me that the <laughs> that the the mom was the aggressor you know we can't do that but you certainly can go then and, and re-interview or you can go back and revisit, you know, okay, now tell me again what happened just based on what the animals shared. So it really became like another source, uh, confidential informant, if you will. Um, mine just happened to have four legs and a tail. And one pet actually told you where a perp was hiding or several actually, right? Yes. And that's how it all started. I was, um, I was at a call for domestic violence and uh, the suspect had taken off on foot and the other deputy that was there had already searched the general area where we were and they had continued on to try to find him. And I was back at the house interviewing the victim and that's when the resident kitty cat kind of strolled out into the yard and walked right over to a storage shed that had already been um, cleared. And uh, the cat looked right at me. And of course, I love animals. So I noticed <laughs> the cat and I was like, oh, there's a kitty. And I looked over at the cat and the cat looked right at me, made eye contact with me and said to me inside. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all it said was inside. It sat right in front of the shed and said inside. And I thought, no way. <laughs> it had already been checked. That shed had already been cleared. There shouldn't be anybody oh. in there. So I just went with it and I approached the shed and I ordered the suspect to come out with their hands up and lo and behold, these two hands pop out and I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. So did you share any of this with your fellow law enforcement officers? Heck no. (laughs) Okay, let me just explain something here. This was back in the year 2000 and I was the only female officer on the department so i was already in a boys club kind of thing and i had to work harder and prove myself more than any other male on the department because i was a female Mm -hmm. so the last thing i was going to do was ruin all that by coming forward and saying oh guess what the resident cat told me you know they would have thought i was completely out of my mind so no i didn't tell anybody Do you consult with law enforcement now? Oh, yes. In fact, um, I am working on a couple of cases with um, one is actually local here in my neck of the woods in the Spokane area. I'm working on a missing persons case and uh, basically people find me. I don't go looking for these cases. They just seem to find me. And it just so happened that this particular gentleman who disappeared lives right around the corner from me. And so I, I work with the families, I work with the local law enforcement, those that are willing to work with me, some of them are, some of them aren't. Because I was a cop before, I have a lot more credibility than if I wasn't a cop before. So that kind of helps a little bit. But you know, some departments out there um, welcome information from psychics. They will take any information, any leads that they can, and truly, why wouldn't you? It's a different time and more people believe in it. Yeah. Yep. Some information is better than no information on some of these cold cases. So, um, so yes, I do help 
and um, and it is really a um, um, sometimes it, there's an animal that was on the scene like in this particular case this person had two dogs that were actually there when he went missing so um, I can get information from the dogs and because I'm a medium meaning I can also communicate with departed humans I can also obtain information from the departed soul if the soul is in fact departed. How did you decide to leave law enforcement behind and make this your career? Well, it was really not something that I set out to do. I never thought that someday I would grow up and be a pet psychic. It just <laughs> never was. <laughs> I always wanted to be a veterinarian, and then I found out how much schooling I would have to do, and then I found out I would have to operate on animals, and I said, no way, I'm not going to do that. So um, it was truly when I was in law enforcement, I decided to leave because I was getting older and the bad guys were getting younger and it really is a physically demanding job. You have to be in top shape. You have to really be, you know, on the ball. You have to have your head in it 110%. And I just felt that something else was calling me. I didn't know what, I didn't have a clue. I just felt like, Law enforcement was great, but that's not where I was destined to be. So I just kind of went with it. And lo and behold, uh, the whole event came about where I stumbled upon the little white dove at a barbecue. And that's where everything turned around for me. And that story about the dove that changed your life is in your book, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals. I encourage my listeners to check it out. That's right. It was um, it was one of those pivotal moments uh, where the earth stops turning and everything just kind of stands still for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it. It's like it happened to me yesterday. It is truly the launching off point of where I realized what my purpose is in this life. And up until that point, again, I had never thought to myself, oh, I'm going to be a pet psychic or a or a a medium. I had never had those thoughts. I'd never even considered it because I didn't think of myself as psychic. I didn't think of myself that way at all. And boy, the universe had a different plan for me. They knew exactly what I was going to be doing and exactly what I needed, where I needed to be. And all the chips kind of fell into place at that time. And I'd like to kind of add that you know, I was in the mortgage business prior to all of this for almost 20 years, and I absolutely hated it. Right. It was just uh, such a grind and grueling work and hundreds and hundreds of hours spent, you know, weekly just trying to keep up, especially in a refi boom. And I just never felt connected with that work. I never felt like I was doing what I needed to be doing, there was kind of like an inner voice and inner feeling in my head. And for those listeners out there, I'm sure many of you have had an experience like that too, where you just don't feel like you're doing the right thing or you're in the right career. Absolutely. I had that same experience when I was working for a law firm. I was eating lunch one day alone, I remember, and a thought just popped into my head that something is coming along very soon that was going to change the world and change my career. And it happened to be the internet. 
because I was a techie person, but I was like, I don't want to do user support anymore. And that's what I was doing, tech support. I was miserable. But there was just something that popped into my head that said, everything is going to turn around and you're going to find what you love. And it's magic. It is magic. And for those, and it's just, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm hearing your story. And for those people who are listening that are nodding their heads, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've had this happen. Follow that. Go with it. Even if you don't know what it is, even if you're not quite sure what it is you're being called to do, I would say follow your passion. You know, what is it that you truly love to do? What is it that you do in your spare time? Or what do you surround yourself with to bring yourself joy that's what you need to really focus on and pay attention to. And the rest will happen. The rest will fall into place. Yeah. And speaking of magic, I've heard from my friends who have had magical encounters with animals. For example, when I was eight, there was a Dalmatian that came around and visited me only on my birthday. And it happened like three years in a row. And after reading your book, I'm thinking maybe this Dalmatian wasn't even alive. Maybe it had crossed over and it was a ghost or something. I hadn't thought about that for years and nobody believed me. My mom was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Do you hear stories like this about like maybe animals appearing on special days or during an important time in your life? Oh, yes. And believe me, I, you're preaching to the choir here about <laughs> people not believing me. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't a visitor from the other side. Um, you know, they can manifest in, in full form and look as real as you and I standing, you know, next to each other in a room. And I hear stories like this, and I, I'm just so excited when I do hear about them because not everyone wants to share because they're afraid of sounding like a fool or being made fun of. And, you know, I certainly walked that path for many years. I never even told anyone what I did for a living. If they asked me what, what I, what my work was, what my job was, I'd say, Oh, I just help people with their pets. I wouldn't even say the word psychic because mm -hmm. I was afraid of what people would think about me. Mm -hmm. And something just kind of happened. I just turned a corner and it was like, you know, it doesn't matter what people think about me. What matters is my work and how it's helping people. And I think in cases like yours where you had this incredible experience with this Dalmatian, I mean, that is, um, I mean, truly, we can't even make this stuff up. I know. And it's like, and, and even at the time, I knew it was really special because we had some kind of connection, this dog and me. He came up on my lawn and we played together and he left. And it happened only on my birthday. I never saw him any other time. It was not like a neighborhood dog or anything. I do hear, I love these stories. I have another friend of mine, um, Kevin Cook. He has a radio show and uh, he has this affinity with birds, any kind of wild bird, blue jays and eagles and hawks and crows and ravens. I mean, you name it. They just are always around and and he sends me all of these bird stories. It's like, oh my gosh. So he has this total affinity with birds. And so I just think it's wonderful. And, and the fact that you want to share that with others so that when other people have experiences like this, they don't think they're crazy or they don't right. think they're losing their mind. These are, these are real experiences that really happen. And 
you know, I'll share whatever anyone wants to know. I'm happy to share it. I don't, I'm not afraid of what anybody thinks of me anymore. I'm so past that. I'm like, yeah, this is what I do for a living now. And people either uh, embrace it or they don't. And I'm not here to change anyone's mind, but I am certainly here for those who are open to the process that want to learn, that want to experience, or that want to share. I'm here for those people. And in my opinion, they're the best in the world. Right. And I even have an episode called What People Think About You. And basically the message is you shouldn't care. You have to move beyond that in order to have a peaceful life. You do, but it's hard sometimes because even your own family members, you know, I still have a couple family members that don't get what I do. And that that can be hard. That can be really uh, difficult. Mm -hmm. And especially uh, if it's a spouse, uh, you know, somebody that you're sharing every day of your life with, it can be really challenging if they're not open to it. So I understand I've walked in those shoes before and, and it's, it's not easy, but the bottom line is you just have to stand in, right in the middle of your truth mm-hmm. and embrace it and don't worry about the rest. Just yeah. don't worry about it. Just put it out there and with all its goodness and let it be what it is. That's a great message. Now, my daughter has two cats that she's indicated is going to be the extent of my grandchildren, at least for now, which is perfectly fine. I love cats. And I told her I was going to speak with you today and said, if there was one thing you could ask Pounce or Vera, what would it be? And she said, do you love me? And is that a common question for your clients? You know, um, it is it is very common. And the other one is, are they happy? And and I'll tell you what, there are very, very few, with the exception of those that are in an abusive, neglectful situation or puppy mill, kitty mill situation. There's hardly any that come through and say anything other than they're, you know, so happy with their life and they love their human. You know, there's varying degrees of love and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more with you, Laura, if you want to, but you know, like with her two kitties, truly without a doubt, I'm sure that they are very happy and feel very loved. And I think sometimes we don't know if it's love or if we're just the food source. So we doubt it. (laughs) Well, remember I said there's varying degrees of love. (laughs) Yes. And for those of you who have horses, you know, they love who has the bucket in their hand. That's what they love. (laughs) Um, But truly it, there, there is this, a very strong bond that we share with them. They care about us. They enjoy being with us, some more than others. Some just have little quirky things about them or they aren't as affectionate. It's not a true reflection of love if they're not that kind of lap dog or lap cat. That's not, that isn't equal in their minds. They don't see it that way. They can love you from afar. They can love you very strongly just on their own terms. So you almost have to take the humanization out of it and realize these aren't little humans, these are animals, and they do show love, affection in different ways. And some in the most quirkiest ways that aren't the lovable lap cats or lap dogs are some of the most strongly connected animals that I have ever seen. 
So it's a different kind of love. Like when they bring you presents. Yes. <laughs> yes, when they bring you presents. Or have you ever had this happen too, where there's a, a favorite, where you have more than one and there's a favorite and you don't know what it is about that one particular pet, but you're just so much closer to them than you are the others. Is that from maybe past lives together? Absolutely. And, and I have found that in almost every situation that I come across where there is one that just like worms their way into your heart more than others, it's not that you love the others less. It's just that you and this particular pet have had so many past life reincarnations together. Those are cumulative. So the soul remembers. You won't. Your conscious level won't. But those are cumulative experiences. So this, on a soul level, you guys are tight. You know, you, you're, you know each other. You've been with each other so many times. So that's what that is. So you don't have to feel bad anymore if you think you're playing favorites because you're really not. You've just had more experiences with that one particular pet. Oh, that's good to know. Now, speaking of when our pets pass, you write in your book that a part of their spirit definitely still stays with us. Some people feel the bed depressing still or the cats brushing up against their legs. But are there other signs that we can look for that they're still around? Yeah, absolutely. The Probably the most common um, report that I hear back is that people will dream about their pets. Mm. They'll come to them very vividly in a dream or like right before they wake up, they'll almost like swear that their pet was just right next to them or beside them or sleeping or they were petting them. And the one thing that I want to just say is don't try to interpret the dream too much. Cause sometimes people will have, you know, like they'll be worried, like, does that mean they're not okay? Does that mean they're not where they're supposed to be? You know, why are they coming to me? Don't try to interpret it. Just know that that's likely a visitation and be excited and happy about it. That is the most common one that I hear. And then, boy, everything else across the board have I heard. There have been people that see their pets' names on billboards or there will be uh, someone standing behind them in line that says that name or calling out a name at a restaurant to get their order, um, songs that come on the radio if you have a special song with your pet. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. Now, I really thought that by the time I grew up, we would have broken the communication barrier between humans and animals, like Dr. Doolittle, and we would be able to talk back and forth why is that still not happening? I mean, with the exception of primates and sign language, which is a big breakthrough. But do you think that we as a culture just don't want to know what they're thinking? Well, I think it's gotten a whole lot better. I know when I first started out in this industry over 20 years ago, there was only a handful of us out there that would call themselves an animal communicator. Many people even refer to them as an intuitive Um because there was such a stigma around what we were doing. Like it was somehow evil or uh, yeah. witchcraft or right. wizardry or something that should be frowned upon. So in just the past 20 years, I really think we've come leaps and bounds past that. I think people really do want to know what's going on in 
the minds of their pets, the minds of um, even like the whales and the dolphins and primates, like you said, I think that they really do want to know what I think gets in the way is sometimes there's um, a thing called fear that really blocks people from just being open to the messages and being open to the possibilities. Anything that we don't know, we have a tendency to fear. And I think that's the biggest thing that gets in the way. And people say, well, I don't fear my pets. Why would I be fearful to know what's on their mind? Well, I don't mean about your own pets. I just mean in general. I think that sometimes society wants to still believe that they are the supreme being and the only intelligent source of life on the planet. And I mean, we, there's still even people who think that we are the only civilization in the entire infinity of universes, you know, it's right. like, uh, so I think that gets in the way. And, um, and just this sense of, they have to, humans have to somehow maintain the, the top ranking level of intelligence. Like what if the animals could tell us things? We already know that they can sniff out cancers and drugs and yeah. um, weapons and, you know, bombs. And we already know that, that they're extremely intelligent. Well, that brings me to a question that's not even on my list, but service animals. Are we making them do our bidding or do they enjoy being of service? What do you think? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to speak in terms of, of my experiences only. I'm not going to put this on anyone's service animal, but just in my experience, I have found that there are some who truly love it. They truly, um, the sun rises and sets upon their human, that they're helping their task, their mission, their purpose. They're truly cut out for it. It's what they love. And then I've had the total opposite be true, that they are frustrated, that they feel confined, that they feel restricted, that they feel like, gosh, I just want to go run and play out in the field. You know, I don't want to have to sit at every corner or wait until the light changes or, you know, whatever service right. animals are, are doing for their humans. So I've seen both sides of that coin and I've heard the animals share their feelings and express their emotions and frustrations on both sides. And I think it really is still on an individual level. There's just going to be some that are cut out for it and some that are not. And you just have to be in tune with, it's obvious if an animal's heart isn't in it. It's very yeah. obvious. Yeah. And I, I actually work with um, a therapy dog placement center to make sure that we're placing the right dog with the right person. Yes. I am a big proponent of adoption. And when I've gone to the shelter, you know, you always worry, are we going to be compatible? Because for me, they're my life partners. And it's like choosing a life partner. And you have to understand and match their spirit and personality and their activity level with what could fit into your life. It's not just a given that you'll gel. So what are some of the things a person can look for or tune into when they're looking to adopt a companion animal? Well, I think that the most important thing that you have to to do is to honor that particular animal. So if it's a cat or a dog or a horse or whatever it is that you're adopting, you have to honor that animal and, and, and the 
traits to the breed. So by doing that, that's first and foremost in my book, you know, don't get a great Dane if you live in an apartment and you can't take them out, you know, Mm -hmm. don't get a highly active border collie type dog. If you know, you, you don't even go for walks yourself You know, you have to be really use your common sense. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me how many people don't, they'll just see somebody online and they'll fall in love with them and run down and they want to adopt them. And my big thing is no, you know, you need to put a lot more thought into it than that. Really make sure that you match up your, your personalities, make sure the energy level matches up and, and, and don't go so much based on their looks. I get this one a lot, Laura, that, Oh, well, it looked just like my, cat when I was a kid or it looked just like my last dog or it looks just like Mm -hmm. so-and-so who I used to have in college or high school or whatever try to go on a deeper level of just how you connect with that animal do they seem interested in you does it seem like there's a connection there and and have more than one visit you know go back and visit a few other times at different times of, of day and finally how can we make our animals lives more peaceful I think the big word here is honor. If you honor who they are, don't try to make them something they're not. If you've got a pouncy cat, if you've got a playful dog, if you have a highly energetic horse or a very chatty and expressive bird, honor who they are. They don't want to change any more than you and I want to change who we are and and what we're feeling in our soul. And when you honor who they are and you're proactive about it, that's the best way to set up the most peaceful life for your animals. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Karen. Well, thank you. And tell my listeners where to find you online. You can find me on my website, which is very simply karenanderson.net. And everything is on there from the private sessions to I have an online course where I teach others how to communicate. And I'm also on Facebook. You can find me on social media there. But go to my website, karenanderson.net. I do appreciate what you do. And congratulations on your new nuptials. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And again, whether you're a believer or not, there's one thing we can all agree on, and that is animals can bring such peace and joy into our lives as our companions. Remember, you are a spectacular human being, and your pets are spectacular animal beings. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week, and may every sunrise bring you promise, and every sunset bring you peace.